Hey, this is Dave Pryor. Welcome to Leading Agile Sound Notes. Today, we're going to talk all about working with legacy applications during Agile transformation. I have two guests with me. So Daryl Kulak and Matt Van Vliet, both from Leading Agile, both working in studios, um, which we're going to talk a little bit about studios, what they do, and, and how that approach has been evolving. So there's something specific we're going to address, a specific problem you might be running into with your Agile transformation. Um, before we get started, first, thank you both for being here. Hey, thanks for having us. Um, and so maybe, Daryl, could you talk a little bit about your background just so folks get to know a little bit about you and about your books that you've written? Oh, sure, sure. Um, so my, my position here at Leading Agile is I'm principal studio director. Um, and I came to uh, Leading Agile last year. Uh, so I've been here just, just a little bit less than a year. And um, I'm, I'm really attracted to the kind of transformation process that we have. I think it's tremendous. And I did Agile transformation before. I actually worked with Matt at previous companies. And um, we had, you know, I think we had certain things figured out, but at Leading Agile has a lot more things figured out. So it's pretty impressive to, to be here and to see all of this. Um, I'm also the co-author of a book that's called The Journey to Enterprise Agility, Systems Thinking and Organizational Legacy. And that's uh, available. That's out in hardcover, Kindle, and also audiobook. I did the, the voice for the audiobook on that. Um, so that's me. Cool. All right. Um, and just so folks know, just to tease it real quick, we're going to be doing another podcast on the topics in your book, specifically on my other podcast, Drunken PM, which will be posted in a few weeks. But now that we've plugged that, and hopefully that'll get past our marketing folks, Matt, would you mind introducing yourself <laughs> to everybody and letting them know a little about you and your background? I joined Leading Agile a little over a year ago. And as Dave mentioned, we'll talk a little more about studios later, but my, my goal was to take some of the software development and delivery capabilities that I had done in the past and marry that with some of our transformation components. So I spent my career building software and building organizations that build software. So that's that's my background um come from the xp kind of flavor of agile and am excited to show you some of the things we're doing in the studio okay cool now so i do want to talk about specifically um a, this specific problem we've kind of highlighted for this topic that that can be solved with the work that we're doing but what does studios like what is studios mission ultimately what we found is as people are are progressing through their transformation as they get to higher base camps you know they've they've moved from being predictable they've started to make smaller bets and now they're trying to reduce dependencies between their teams and a, a big piece of that are the technical impediments that are blocking them so studios is primarily focused on providing an accelerator to where we can help break those impediments and we can help um, build some higher base camp software um, and get organizations there faster. So we've traditionally done things from a coaching perspective and now we can do things by actually building and creating software for you that, um, that helps you get <clears throat> through your transformation faster. Okay. 
All right. So just to give a specific example, um, Daryl and I did a call recently with a, with a client um, that's been taking training from us for a really long time and been there for a couple of years teaching people how to do the basics of Scrum. And, and one of the struggles they have is the, the environment that they're working in is not adapted to the way that they're being taught to work. So that's a struggle. And that happens for people in almost all of my classes. I'm teaching them how to do something, but they can't do it when they get back to the office. So um, how, how do studios respond to that kind of situation? Well, you know, one of the, the hardest things to do is to take legacy code and, and refactor it and get it into a state where it's it's conducive to do agile software development. So rather than have organizations need to develop their people to have all of those skills that are only going to be used for a limited period of time, studios will come into that environment and get the necessary preconditions in place. We talk about, you know, it like putting a hard crunchy shell around your products so that your teams can work independently. So studios can come in, build the APIs, get the tests and DevOps environment in place so that your teams can work independently. And then um, your teams are, are much more empowered to use their learnings and to, to grow and improve their software. Okay. So, so my sort of dumbed down version of that or what I've heard when we talked about it in the past is we'll go in We'll teach you how to do the technical stuff and at the same time get your house in order so that when we're done teaching you, you can actually use it. Is that, a, is that a fair way to say it or have I simplified it too much? No, that's the, there's two, you're right. There's two parts to it. So we have, we have technical coaching. So we have people who are, who are teaching our client staff how to do all of this. And, and simultaneously, a studio's team can be running alongside that team uh, and and kind of making the software, adding agility to the software. So our technical coaches, you know, our organizational transformation, we're we're adding agility to the organization, and we're adding skills to the team members. At the same time, we can be adding agility to the software, so legacy applications that uh, otherwise would be slowing those teams down. And that they would have to be doing kind of at the same time that they're trying to attack their backlogs. So that's kind of the the all all of those pieces fit together um, to to allow those teams to be you know as productive and as uh, quick to production as possible. To me, what's so compelling about this is it's very it's a more holistic approach. And like Mike and I have done a lot of interviews about the guy on the couch who wants to run the marathon, and we can get that person, teach that person what they have to go through to, to be able to run the marathon, but you're actually creating the ability for them to succeed in their environment. So it's not just, here's how this works. We create an environment where they can actually survive, where, where what we're teaching them can, can live, as opposed to, here's how you're going to do XP, go work in your legacy environment that's completely unsuitable for that. <laughs> right, right, right. And, and you know, Matt and I have both been at other agile organizations previously, and I think most most you know agile consulting software consulting companies tend to um, tend to say you know give us your latest stuff like give us your mobile apps, give us your machine learning, 
and we'll we'll do great you know we'll do great work with you uh, in a, in an agile way and we'll do CICD and we'll do test room development but it's always with the latest stuff and yeah. this offering is the opposite of that we're saying give us your old your tired <laughs> your broke down applications. and and the the ones that that need to change like the ones that you're you find yourself always poking around in and, and adding features to or you know uh that are that are mission critical to the company and that are slowing you down because they're poorly structured poorly architected like the um, you know, they're not matching what your business needs now. Give those to us, you know, let us help you with those. So we have business architects, we have a business architecture service. We can get those applications reoriented to the way that your business operates today. And, and at the same time, we're reorienting your teams to that same structure. So now your teams, your existing legacy applications and your whole organization is structured in a way so that those teams can be highly productive and can get features out the door much faster. So, so what is the pitch that you would make to somebody who, let's say I work in an organization, I hear everything you just said. I'm like, yep, that sounds great, but we got really smart people. They'll be able to figure it out. They're just going to have to remove all the dependencies and re-architect the entire system. So I'm just going to send them to a couple of days of training. Um, so they're probably right. They can figure it all out. It's just, do you have the time and the, the patience to, to get there? You know, this is an accelerator. So if you go in and you need to figure it out, usually there's competing pressures, right? There's a set of business backlog that we need to get out the door. Um, and we can't turn that off while we figure out how to break dependencies and decouple components. So what, what's good about this is that we can continue to deliver our business backlog. In parallel, we can get our code into a state that removes bottlenecks and constraints so that we can start to actually deliver that business backlog even faster. And in the end, we're going to get more value out the door faster than if it was a go-it-alone approach where we needed to, to, to have um, people learn all these techniques that are really advanced engineering techniques, breaking up um, you know, a legacy monolith into components that can be used within an agile team is, is a complicated thing and not something that's ultimately needs to be a core competency of your development team. So it's something that you can bring in some specialized skills um, break it up and, and accelerate your ability to deliver business value. I think part of it is, you know, it's true that our, our clients may have those skills. Um, if somebody's been, you know, doing TDD and CI for six months or a year, um, it's going to be more difficult for that person to jump into that legacy application and tear it apart. Uh, whereas our, our studio team members, uh, have you know five years, ten years, fifteen years in in doing these agile practices, and so they're they're going to be you know they're going to be able to do that maybe faster, um, maybe with with fewer uh, stumbling blocks. So that's part of it too. But yeah, I think what Matt said is is a big part of it that our team can run alongside your team while your team continues to accomplish its existing backlog. Yeah, 
and we can we can be kind of doing some of that um, some of that uh, infrastructure, some of that kind of underground stuff that's going to help. So one of the things you just said that's really interesting to me is I, I have thought of this in the past as like I'm working with a client and I say, okay, you need continuous integration, continuous delivery, you need all these other things, TDD in place. And they're used to working in a waterfall way. Now they're going to have to learn this new way and convert their legacy environment into a new thing, which they don't know how to do. But you just mentioned there might be people on a team that that is doing all the new stuff, but they're going to have to go fix the leftover technical debt in the infrastructure or whatever that they don't and they don't know how to deal with that because they're only used to the new stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's what they'll learn. So I think, you know, most, most training classes and most coaching is focused on if you've got a greenfield application, here's how you create a backlog. Here's how you write a story card, you know, and, and it's, it's kind of a step beyond that to say, okay, here's an ugly old legacy system. Here's how to go after it. And there's, there's a bunch of practices. There's a bunch of, you know, uh, known ways to deal with it, but um, it, it is a step beyond that. Yeah. And it, it almost sounds like with the time thing, I mean, I can see where people would bristle at the cost, but you're going to spend the money either way. It's going to take you that long to do it. You're going to teach people how to do stuff and put them in an environment that's not suited to it. And they're going to have to figure it out. Yeah. Or you can spend all the money investing in their education and then provide them with a place where they can thrive and improve and get to market faster and learn and inspect and yeah. adapt and all and, that other stuff. And you don't have to do it all. Like you don't have to do every legacy application, every package, every mainframe system. You go after those, you heat map it. You figure out which ones are the most important to go after first and maybe not even an entire legacy system, but maybe three or four business capabilities. And you go to those first and then you, you know, you can't, you keep going down the list. Yeah. Okay. So what are the differences between like somebody who's working in studios and somebody who might be working like in a regular development environment and one of our customers are our folks more specialized in this stuff or is it just experience? Like, what makes them stand out? Well, I, let me differentiate it in two different ways. So one, um, you know, our clients' engineering teams tend to be um, specialized in a set of technologies and a business domain and really targeted toward using technology to deliver, you know, products or capabilities in that business domain. Our people... Um, have a similar technical background, um, tend to be more senior and, and experienced, but you know, their, their domain or expertise is around, um, is around, is building, building software that's adaptable and, um, and resilient and so forth. So part of their business domain is, is software products and software development. So that's, that's one, um, you know, kind of aspect of how it's different than our clients' teams. The other thing um, we find is that our clients' teams aren't all salaried employees either, right? Our clients' teams tend to be a mixture of salaried people and other consultants, either in a staffing stance or in a, in a team stance. And what we find the difference between what Studios does and what other vendors that are providing variable staffing 
is that with with studios, our people are working and used to working in in your targeted approach, the way you want to build software in the future. And what we find is many vendors are still working in the past and their their techniques may be behind even our clients' techniques. So what we find is that rather than having to train um, some of your variable staff and engineers, it's better to bring in organizations that and teams that are, that are already building and that you can learn from versus needing to try to transform your variable staff as well as your your salaried staff. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, since we're kind of on the topic of the people, could you comment on the relationship between team structure and dependencies? Because I know that that's something that we do also when we come in, when we do the, the assessment, right? Yeah, for transformation, we definitely look at that uh, because that can just slow teams down. Like even if the teams are working on new stuff, uh, they can be severely slowed down because they may have these backend applications, not they may have, they will have <laughs> backend <laughs> applications that they have to talk to. And if those teams are, you know, operating slower or if those teams have a huge backlog or they, you know, lack agile practices or whatever it is, that, that that's going to slow down the team that's doing the mobile app. So, yeah, um, uh, those, those dependencies we go after in our transformation work, so in organizational transformation, um, we, we go out and then we go after that with, with the studios offering. And our studios offering, this, this one we're talking about is called product extract. Okay. So it's like you take this legacy application that has all of this functionality and that's, you know, that's running the business, that's a very important application, but the functionality isn't organized the best way for those teams to be able to take features into production. And so we, we come in and we extract each of those products um, at, in priority order uh, so that those teams are able to take it all the way to production with fewer dependencies. We can never say no dependencies, but with fewer dependencies between this team and the other teams that uh, they're talking to with those APIs. I don't know, Matt, you have anything to add to yeah. that? Yeah, so when we're when we're looking at and saying is a product extracted, right? We we really want to know can you enhance the product, build the product, test the product and deploy the product with minimal orchestration with other teams. So, you know, ultimately what we want is our teams as we're reaching these higher base camps to be able to be very responsive to the market and to their customers. And if they need to, um, if they need a lot of interaction with a large number of teams in the organization, that slows, slows everything down. So if you're a legacy team and you're building a set of services, your customer might be other internal products. But, you know, as, as you have that that product, you want to be able to enhance and build and test your, your product without needing all of these other teams to be involved, right? As long as they're calling your APIs, they're using your um, dependencies in a loosely coupled way, you should be able to move independently. Okay. So I, and I have a real life example of this. Yusuf and I just did a podcast about um, somebody I met through class 
who works in an organization that does 30 days of prep for PI planning so that their five teams can figure out how to remove their dependencies so they can try to plan things for a month of work and they can't get the work done without being interrupted anyway. But I mean, a whole month of just talking through dependencies amongst these five teams because they can't work independently at all. Yeah. Right. And when we're doing a transformation um, at the earlier stages, you know, Basecamp one, we just want to be predictable. And Basecamp two, we want to make smaller bets. So it sounds like they're able to do one month releases, which are smaller bets, and they're predictable. It's just we may be predictably slow, right? It takes us a month to get <laughs> planned and so forth, right? So we, but we've got a system. So now as we're reaching Basecamp three, what we're trying to do is break those dependencies to say, all right, the, the five teams are structured in a way that maps how the organization and the market want to work in the future. How do we get the systems architecture to align with that team structure or that product architecture? And a lot of times there's, there's not natural seams in the code, and that's why there's so much coordination required. And that's where we can go in, break those things. And it, you were talking about the cost earlier. Imagine if you need a day of PI planning instead of 30 days, and you take that across 12 months, you're, you're very quickly going to pay off um, in, in overhead as well as in responsiveness to the market, the investment in, in breaking these dependencies. Yeah. Yeah, we've seen this. We've seen this situation with, with clients a number of times. So look, one of the things we do with studios is we do a, what's called a software capability assessment. So like, you know, we just do typical interviews with teams, you know, how, how do you feel about your ability to get features into production? You know, how are the teams working together? What dependencies do you have? And, and <clears throat> we also have our own leading agile tools to go into the code and poke around and see kind of how hard or how soft is the software itself? Like how easy is it to change? And, and then once we do all that, we talk to, you know, we talk to those teams, we look at the results from the tools and we, we are able to, to come back to the, to the C-level uh, of that of organization. And we can, uh, we can say your teams are struggling because there are too many dependencies from team to team. Yeah. And so that's when we, that's when we can see this is a product extract opportunity. This is a transformation opportunity. If we can reorient the teams and we can reorient this legacy software, we're going to increase the speed to production greatly. So I, this kind of has me, I've got a question for you. That's maybe a little more philosophical, but, um, in the past with stuff, you know, any kind of transformation, whether we're talking about you know, rebuilding everything in their organization but from a technical standpoint, teaching them agile, whatever it is, there's always a worry about cost. And with what you're saying and with some other things that I've been seeing, it feels like maybe the perception is shifting a little bit and people are recognizing that your know, money's important, but time is more important than money in many cases. And I'm wondering if that resonates with you guys or if, if not. No, I think it resonates. I think the, the thing is, is there's, there's multiple costs, right? There's the cost of training or the cost of, of engineering. 
but there's also opportunity cost and what have you. So as the market's changing and and you're needing to get product out the door, um, you know, a lot of our clients are are moving from maybe a manufacturing or a hardware type um, stance to being really a digital software company. And if they don't get product out the door, their competitors will, and they will miss opportunities for revenue. They will lose market share. And all of those things are costs. So what tends to happen is you can't just say we need to, to fix all of our code and everything needs to look this way and be perfect. It needs to be prioritized based on what are the important things to do for a customer? And then what are the dependencies that are slowing that down, right? And how do we not just push harder um, in building features, but then how do we also remove drag so that our, our organization can move faster? Yeah. Okay. It's pretty, like, you, you can tell, Dave, like, we're, we're very excited about this because it's, yeah. quite, it's quite unique in the marketplace. And, you know, like, Studios is a product development organization, so we, we do all the, all the same things, you know, we, as a consulting company, we are able to, to, to build products, and by that I mean hardware and software. So if it's, if it's IoT, if it's, you know, blockchain, if it's uh, machine learning, you know, mobile apps, we can do all that stuff, and we, we, we do all, that, all those things for clients. But then on top of that, we have this other service, this pro product extract service, that we're very excited about and that you know it seems to be helping our clients a lot yeah i mean that was when you first explained it to me that was the thing that really stuck out because when studios started i was just thinking of it as oh we're going to have you know development teams that can supplement the workforce or build stuff for our clients um, and teach them how to do some of this stuff too but and, and i've seen things sort of like that in other places but i have not seen a place where it is we will you know help you reset your business, help you teach your team's technical practices. We'll also clean up your house for you so that after we teach you this stuff, you have a place where you can actually do it. Like to me, that is the, the most compelling thing. And the reason I was asking about the cost thing was I'm just thinking like, can you afford to let your competitor spend that money? Can you afford for your competitor to be faster than you are? That's the question. Yeah. It's, it's a big question for a lot of, you know, the clients that we work with. And, you know, and now I also want to address, Dave, that like this isn't just about like super large organizations. You know, we, we do work with organizations that have, you know, 500, 1,000 software teams. And obviously they have those kind, these kind of problems between teams, too many dependencies. Yeah. But I mean, if, if your organization has more than three or four software teams, you're going to have these same problems at a different scale, but you're still going to have those problems and you're still going to have legacy applications. You're still going to have uh, things that were oriented correctly for you five years ago, 10 years ago, but your business has changed. And now you need to change the organization to change the way that your teams are organized and change the, the softness of your software and the way that it's organized. That's interesting. The way you said it, the softness of the software, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, the, yeah, the, the, the person mine. I was <laughs> the person I was talking to the other day with the five teams to solve that problem now is going to save them a lot of hassle than trying to stop it when they have thirty yeah. teams. Yeah, and and you know, safe is it, safe. You know, works for people, and it's a it's a it's a good framework. 
but it doesn't solve that problem. Safe will will show you here are all the dependencies you have between teams. Great, mark them all up on a on a big big wall and you know and look at them. But what we're talking about is how to address that and how to reduce the dependencies, not just surface them. When when you guys go into organizations, do you feel like the customers actually see the problems that they have, or have they just latched onto what they think are going to be solutions to things they think might be wrong? Like, do they really see what's what the actual issue is? Well, yeah. So I think there's there's multiple things when we go in and do an assessment, right? There's there's some things where we're helping the customer think of the problem differently. Um, but the challenge tends to be that not that people don't see the problems, it's that they see so many problems, they don't know where to start or what the right, um, right order to do things are. Yeah. Right? So, okay. so therefore, they just focus on features and, and kind of controlling what they can control. What, what we do is analyze the situation, identify the biggest bottlenecks that are going to make the biggest impact and help them prioritize those problems and then then get quick solutions to them so that there's there's a snowball effect that starts to break down some of these um you know you know tangled um nest of problems into something that's solvable and that they can get quick momentum okay so if we have people kind of helping them get set up, they're not in there forever, right? I mean, that was another thing that I saw when I was doing regular consulting was the developers that were sent in were sent in with the charge of add some value and dig into that carpet and you make yourself necessary for as long as possible. Yeah, 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 That no, that's not our model. Um, for us, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's get in, it's, do the first few of those product extracts. Meanwhile, we're training our, you know, coaching our client team members to do that work. And then once they once they see that it can be done in their environment, because our studios teams did it, uh, and they start doing it along with with coaching, side by side coaching. Yeah. Then studios is gone. So so. We're there for those first few product extracts, uh, but you know that's we're not we're not embedding ourselves uh, yeah. for for the long haul. Which so, I would no good. Yeah, we have very much an abundance mentality, right? So we want our clients to depend on us, but not to be dependent on us. So the the digging digging your heels in and becoming dependent is not the goal. Um, getting in, solving a problem. And um, and then being trusted to go solve another problem somewhere else in the organization is is what tends to happen um, with studios. Okay, and I would think for the people that work there, that's the appeal anyway. Is I get to go see something messy here, then I get to go solve problems something messy over there, and it's moving around and seeing that like the range of issues as opposed to just locking into one place. Yeah. Cool. All right. So I really appreciate you both taking time out for this. What if people want to get in touch with you um, to learn more about the work that you're doing, um, more about studios? Like, um, Matt, what's the best way to reach you? So uh, Matt at leadingagile.com is probably the, 
the easiest way. Um, I'm also on our website as well as um, if you want to go to matt.vanvliet on Instagram, you'll get to see all the interesting, crazy things I have going on. Okay. Thank you. And Daryl, what about you? Interesting, crazy things. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm uh, daryl.kulak at leadingagile.com for email. I'm on Twitter, um, Daryl Kulak, at Daryl Kulak on Twitter. And I'm active on LinkedIn as well. All right, cool. Thank you both for this. Um, and I'm going to put links in the notes as well. So if anybody's got questions around these topics, if you'd like us to do a follow-up podcast on anything specific, just send it in and we'll make sure to get back and, and talk about that further. And thanks for listening. Thanks. Thanks, Thank Dave. You.